Yes, amen. How many of y'all are glad to be here in church this morning? I am. Thank you for joining us in person and online. My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here. And before I get into the sermon, we need to make an announcement. Starting next week, and the next week in this, so for the next three weeks, this is what's going to happen. Because of the 2020 disruption and all this kind of stuff, we really have no idea who's here and who isn't. And so what we decided to do was basically kind of wipe the slate clean. If you are part of our church, we need you to fill out a card with updated information starting next week. Cards will be available next week, the week after that, and the week after that. And so you're going to need to let us know you're here. Um, I know that I'm here, but I'm filling out one because we need to re, we need to update our database and everything like that. So to please don't assume that, well, they know I'm here. I'm not going to, no, please do that uh, starting next week and the week after that and the week after that. Just give us a card. Make sure that you, we know who's here because we need to know who our people are. We need to know who is here. We need to know if you're not here, uh, we don't need to miss you anymore. You know, we just need to know who's part of our, of our church. So starting, that, starting next week, we're going to be doing that. So make sure that you fill that out, give us updated contact information, let us know you're here. Also, we'll need to know who needs to go through starting point to, to become a member here and everything like that. So that's why that's happening. Well, guys, we're continuing in our series uh, called Make Your Own Mistakes, Don't Make Mine. We're in part two. It's called Location, Location, Location. The main thing today is the first and best way to avoid sin is to be where you are supposed to be. Now, we've all heard the term, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. A lot of people have been at the wrong place at the wrong time. But uh, never have we really taken a look at the implications behind that. Because when you are in the wrong place at the wrong time, most, most of the time, bad things happen. And I would imagine if I talked to most of you all, not all of you, there are some notable exceptions who uh, are, are, are the exceptions. But most of you, if you were to take a look at your life, and the times where you have failed God, the times where you have really experienced consequences of your actions, where you have made dumb mis mistakes, where you've sinned against God, it is because you were where you weren't supposed to be. We were in the wrong place at the wrong time. And the, the example in the Bible was King David, a man after God's own heart. <clears throat> Second, he was the model for godliness in the Old Testament, uh, and, and this, but he, even he was not uh, immune to this. In 2 Samuel 11, it starts off with this. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab, Joab was his commander, out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. Okay, so where was he supposed to be? Supposed to be with his army when the kings go out to war. He was supposed to be with his army. Had he been there, he would have bypassed one of the darkest incidents in the entire Bible, especially in his life. Okay, he was supposed to be with his troops. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And like I said, set the stage for the darkest episode in his life. So here is King David's path to destroying his life. You guys want to follow me here? All right. This is how King David destroyed his life. This was the path he walked. Here we go. The first thing is this. In 2 Samuel 11:2, one evening David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. So the first step, he saw her. No harm, no foul. Nothing's going on yet, okay? All he did was walking around, and he saw a woman bathing. Billy Graham once said, if I look once, I praise God for his creation. If I look twice, I pray to God for forgiveness, okay? 
David could have spotted her, praised God for his creation, and then gone on about his day. He had an out. God gave him an out. He didn't have to take the next step. Go through door one, David. Back to the palace. You got several wives already, David. You got several concubines already. Go to the house, Dave. But he didn't. He took another step towards destroying his life. Second is that he inquired about her. Second Samuel eleven three, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Now, the guy who he sent knew what was going on. That's why he made it a point to say, hey, this is the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Now, those of you guys that have never studied the Bible don't know who Uriah the Hittite was. Okay, in the list of David's Navy SEALs, the top elite warriors in the land, David's 37 fiercest warriors, Uriah the Hittite was one of them. He was the Navy SEALs, he, he was the Medal of Honor winner of the Navy SEALs. He was one of the fiercest fighters in the land. And this, this guy is saying, listen, this is, this is a Navy SEAL's wife, Dave. You don't want to mess with this guy. He made sure to tell David that. And that, that by the way, the list of David's war, warriors in 2 Samuel chapter 23. So David had his second out. He could have stopped there and said, oh, that's a married woman. I've got my wives and my concubines, plus this is one of my best warriors. This is one of the guys I depend on. This guy can lay waste. I don't want to mess with this guy. But David doesn't take the out that God gives him here. He's already had two outs, but he didn't take it. He takes the next step to destroying his life. Number three, he sent for her. In, in verse 4, then David sent messengers to get her. Now, there are probably several good minutes from the time that David sent the messenger to when Bathsheba arrived. He was sitting there. He could have thought about it. He could have, he was pondering. He really could think things over. This was not a, a spur-of-the-moment thing. Probably several minutes, maybe 10, 15 minutes for the messenger to go get her and for her to get there. He had all this time to reconsider. I'm sure the alarm bells were going off in his mind. His wives and concubines were literally right there. Grab one of those, Dave. He had another out. He had time to think it over, but he didn't. So he took the next step to destroying his life, committed adultery with her. Samuel, uh, verse 4, she came to him and he slept with her. And then she sent word that she got pregnant from that encounter. It, I'll, I'll spare you all the details, but David had Uriah murdered to cover that up, and then he married Bathsheba. Um, and uh, the child that, that had conceived was dead. So, so here, here we go. It starts off, sin starts off as this little tiny thing. Here's this woman babe. That's all it starts off. Sin never reveals its full plan. You never see the full plan at the beginning, you guys. You only see this little bit, and then it becomes this. In David's life, this one incident, his, he, he, he had to, he, he, he committed adultery, so then he had to lie to cover it up. He had to have her husband killed. The child, he experienced the death of a child, which uh, this past week, I was reminded of, this past week was the 18th anniversary of my son's death. And I, 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 that, that is not something you want to go through. That happened. Then, then, the next generation, his kids saw this happen. His son Amnon basically rapes a, a woman named Tim, Tamar. 
And, and, he, and David couldn't say anything because he had basically done the same thing a generation ago. Then David's other son, Absalom, kills his brother Amnon and, and to, to, to avenge that. But David can't say anything about that either because that's what he had done to Uriah the Hittite. You guys see, this little enemy thing becomes this huge thing. Sin never, ever shows you the full plan, you all. The addict never sees the addiction. He sees the first drink. The addict never sees the, 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 the rock bottom, the, the betrayal of family, the pushing away of everyone that's ever loved them. They never see that at the beginning. All they see is a nice little hit or a good time. See, sin never, ever presents the full plan to you. And in every step of the way, God gives you an out, gives you an out. And that's exactly, what, that's exactly why David's uh, message here or stories in the Bible so that we make our own mistakes, we don't make his. Look at what sin does. Sin is not the choice of pleasure, you all. It is the loss of pleasure. It really is. And so I was told by a very wise mentor of mine when I was a young man, he said this, he said, if you see a line you never intend to cross, don't go anywhere near it. As a married man, there's a line, I will, I will not commit adultery on my wife. So I'm not going anywhere near that line. I'm not. And if you are, if, if you, whatever lines that you guys have, dictated by the word of God, if you see a line that you never intend to cross, don't go anywhere near it. Stay away from it. Remember, it's not just your life we're talking about here. It's a life safeguarding your family for two or three generations. If King David could have seen the, the wreckage that his, his family would become because of this, he never would have gone near. And so, guys, we have to remember that. Be where you're supposed to be. So had King David been where he was supposed to be, none of this would have happened. So, guys, there are five places, and I'm going to challenge you as a church to be where you're supposed to be. The first place, like we see here in the Bible, physically. Physically, be where you're supposed to be. If you're supposed to be at home, be at home. If you're supposed to be at work, be at work. If you're supposed to be at church, be at church. If you're supposed to be in your small group, be in your small group. Don't skip. Don't make excuses. If wherever you're supposed to be, be there, and you will, you will walk with integrity, walk securely. Listen to the, the warning given in Proverbs 5, 7 through 11. This, this, it, it's, it's King Solomon. King Solomon is talking to his son. And King Solomon knew all, all, all about the destruction of not being where you're supposed to be. He says this, now then, my sons, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Keep a path, he's talking about an adulteress. Keep a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house lest you lose your honor to others and your dignity to one who is cruel, lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich the house of another. At the end of your life, you will groan when your flesh and body are spent. He's saying, listen, don't even go near a house. I've seen what happens when you do. Be where you're supposed to be. Uh, this past Monday, I started teaching at Revive Life House. It's an it's a, uh, addiction recovery place. Uh, I started teaching after, after about a three-year break. And I was getting to know the guys. They, they were phase one, which means they are, they're just beginning. They're, they're not in phase two or phase three. There's, it's the first 30 days. And, uh, and one of the guys in my class introduced himself, and he said this. I'm here again. I've heard that with a lot of times uh, guys in addiction uh, have, to, have to repeat because they relapse. And addiction's a tough thing to, to kick, you guys. Um, and so he goes, I'm here again. He was just kind of embarrassed, I guess. And I said, well, tell me your story. What happened? How did you relapse, if you don't mind? And he goes, well, he goes, my, my struggle's alcohol. And he said, uh, um, I, I, ha I work 
I've got home, and in between work and home is the liquor store that I used to stop at. And he goes, so what I started doing was I started taking this other route, so I didn't even go buy it. I was like, well, that's good. Good job. That's a great plan. He goes, he goes I, started, I made an excuse, so he goes, I don't really feel like taking that extra five minutes. I'll just go buy it, and I'll be fine. I'll just go the route. And I said, your mind was lying to you, wasn't it? He goes, yeah. And so what happened next? He goes, well, the light was red. And I got a chance to sit there and look at it. You don't tell me Satan didn't do that. Come on. He was sitting there and he goes, sitting there and I tried not to look, tried not to look. And then I looked. And I was thinking, that's David and Bathsheba. Bathsheba, sex was David's sin. Alcohol was this guy. It's the same thing. He saw it. I said, you had an out. He goes, yeah. But then I looked again, and then I turned, and it goes, and, I, and I, you know, I pull in the parking lot, and I'm thinking, what am I doing? I said, you had another out. You could have just, he goes, yeah. He goes, man, I'll just, I'll, I'll just go, go in there and see what's on sale. There's other stuff other than alcohol in there, you know, and I was like, come on. And he went in, and then he saw what he normally drank. And he just said, I wonder how expensive this is. So he walks up to it. He had an out. Didn't have to reach out and take it. He reached out and took it. And he bought it. And he stopped at the same park that he always stopped in so he wouldn't drink around his family. Drank. Relapse. In the next two weeks, he was just drunk the whole time. And, uh, and I said, what did you think was going to happen? He goes, Thought I, could, thought I could handle it, and I said, uh, I said, man, if you had never set foot in that store, you never would have dealt with this. I said, man, you're not supposed to be in that store. Guard your heart. And so he, he, he was just basically describing exactly what King David did. There were so many outs. God gave him so many outs. But every time you close the door that God gives an out, you get a little bit further in, a little bit further in, a little bit further in, and then all of a sudden sin has you. And that's exactly what happened to this man. He's at Revive House right now, getting his life sorted out, again, for the seventh time. Okay? Hopefully he learns never to go there. Had he not gone to a liquor store, he never would have taken a drink. Be where you're supposed to be. But the second thing, these, these next four are not as obvious. I think we all know we're supposed to be physically. Second place we're supposed to be is Technologically. Matthew 6, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. I'm going to talk about a very tough subject. It may step on toes, and, and, but it has to be talked about. If not talked about in the pulpit, it's not going to be talked about anywhere. Since 2020, there's been an explosion in transgenderism in our young people. I don't know if you know that or not. But there's, in, in 2020, get this, kids not in school were locked in their rooms all day. They spent, that, they spent that time an average of seven to 10 hours on social media every single day. You thought, they were go, they, you thought they were participating in class? No, they weren't. They weren't even paying attention. On social media, what did we expect? What did we think was going to happen? Our children were immersed technologically, following people that do not love them, that have an agenda for them, and we thought it would be okay. And yet, now, two years later, technologically, because our children are places they don't need to be, 
technologically online and, and following people that have an agenda for them, we are seeing the results of this. Listen, if you're spending seven hours a day on social media following all kinds of people you have no business following, that have an agenda for you, don't be surprised when you start questioning everything about you. Don't, don't, don't be surprised. You're simply King David. You're not where you're supposed to be. And, and, and that's exactly what's out. Disney has announced their agenda for our kids. You knew that, right? They, they, they don't even try to hide it. They're announcing it, that half of, their, half of their characters are going to be LGBTQ, trying to normalize that in the lives of our children. Now, now if they want to do that for adults, adult, that's fine, but they're marketing this to children. Normalizing transgenderism and LGBTQ lifestyles for kids, that's exactly, they've got an agenda. They're telling us that. Um, our government has announced its agenda for young people. Supreme Court justice couldn't tell us what a woman was. Of course she knew what a woman was, but she was afraid of the people behind that. that she was afraid of the, uh, of, the, of the blowback and everything like that. If you immerse yourself in all this stuff online, you are a King David waiting, waiting to happen. Plain and simple. We need to be where we're supposed to be technologically. Look at the effects on you and the effects on the people around you. Understand this, young people and old people. I want to speak some truth to you because you're not going to hear this outside in the world. You're not going to hear this online. You're not going to hear this on Twitter or on Snapchat. You're not going to hear this on TikTok. You're going to hear it here in church. That God made you exactly the way he designed you. You are not a mistake. You are not, God did not make a mistake with you. He made you male or female. The Bible tells us that. So he made them both male and female. And if you believe that you are, that, that, that somehow God made a mistake, I want to speak truth to you. No, he didn't. God doesn't make mistakes. He made you exactly like he wants you to be. And the gender that he has given you is a gift to you. He designed you. He loves you. He lovingly created you as you are. That is the truth. And we're listening to lies. We're listening to people. Listen, parents, your children are listening to people that don't love them. These people that are, that are posting all of this agenda for your children, don't love your children. They don't even know your children. God knows your children. God loves your children. I say we be where we're supposed to be technologically and we listen to the word of God rather than social media when it comes to the important things of who we are. God made you exactly as he designed you to be. So if there's anyone in here that is questioning whether or not you're male or female, what your gender is, I want to speak truth to you that God loves you and he created you exactly as you are. And his, his gift, his gender that he gave you is a gift when you start treasuring that. Parents, speak that to your children because technologically there's an agenda from people who don't love your kids for them. The third place we need to be, we, the third place we need to be is emotionally. Emotionally. Proverbs 4.23, one of my favorite Proverbs is this. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Many of us, by our own omission, aren't where we need to be emotionally. A lot of us are anxious. A lot of us are depressed. A lot of us are, 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 are just not in a good place emotionally. And we're making wrong decisions. We're making bad decisions out of that emotion, emotional state. We fill our lives with and our hearts with news, News cycle runs 24-7, and if you watch that, good night. Of course you're going to be depressed. Of course you're going to be anxious. I mean, it's a doomsday every time you turn on the channel. It really is. 
We've, we've filled our hearts with gossip. We've filled our hearts with music that glorifies sexuality and violence. Uh, we've filled our hearts with all this kind of, What do you think is going to happen when we do that, you all? What do you think the effect, I, I remember as a teenager, um, back then it was the 80s, and that's when Guns N' Roses was really big and, and, and everything like this, and, and Axl Rose was screaming his profanities into my, uh, uh, in, into my headphones and everything like that. And I remember telling my parents this, oh, this stuff doesn't affect me. This stuff doesn't affect me. It's just music. I can do, I'm not going to go out and kill someone. It was also one of the darkest and most depressive times of my life. Of course it affected me. You can't have that stuff screaming in your ears and without it getting into your heart. You can't. You say, well, I can't. I'm stronger than you. No, you're not. You're, you're not self-aware enough. Listen, it, 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 all of this stuff that we fill our hearts with emotionally, it has an effect on us. The more time you spend online, the more depressed you are. Studies have showed that over and over and over and over again. Okay? We need to guard our hearts. We need to be where we're supposed to be emotionally. If you are dealing with anxiety, you're dealing with depression, which a lot of people are, uh, there's no way that, that with this many people in here and joining us online, there isn't someone dealing with some severe anxiety or depression. I want, first of all, I want to speak God's peace to you. God says, I'm going to take that away and replace that with peace. But you have to guard your heart. I want to tell you something. Uh, you need community. If you want to be healthy emotionally, you need community. 2020 showed us that when they locked us in our homes and shut down churches and shut down business, shut down schools, what happened to people's mental and emotional health? It went way down. Do you know the only category of people, there's only one category of people who did well mentally and emotionally in the 2020 shutdowns? You know who they, you know, you know who they were? It was not Republicans. It was not Democrats. It was not men. It was not women. It was not black, white, Asian, Latino, everything in between. It was not boys. It was not girls. It was people that went to church. They reported a net positive four points better in mental and emotional health. And I, I think that's for, for a couple reasons. One, because obviously you get your mind focused on God and worship, that's going to be very good for you. We've always said it, that the more you focus on God, the smaller your problems look. And the more you focus on the problems, the smaller God looks. We've always said that. So you're in here uh, with your church family praising God. Obviously it's going to be uh, better. But second is this is that people who were, went to church together had friends, and they interacted with friends, and they loved each other, and they were in each other's homes. They were praying for each other, and they were laughing, they were hugging, they had human contact, and that was why emotional and mental health went up. I would imagine several of you that, that, uh, that, that, that kind of uh, disconnected from people. It was not good for you. It was not good for you at all. And so that's why I'm so glad to see you guys here. But you need connection. God has designed the church, God has designed the family so that we can have good mental and emotional health. And if you are not connected to people, if you're just living life on your own, pushing people away, you're going to suffer emotionally. God has designed things that way, okay? Be where you're supposed to be. Turn off the news, turn off uh, the music that promotes anger and violence and sex, immerse yourself in what is positive. Go to a friend's house, have a friend over for coffee, go hiking, go canoeing, go backpacking, go hunting. Hunting season, deer season is almost here. Yay, woo, awesome. Uh, you know, go, go exercise, uh, get outside, uh, be with people, invite people over. You will see your mental and emotional health go through the roof. You truly will guard your heart so that we can be where we're supposed to be emotionally. The fourth place we need to be where we're supposed to be is relationally. Relationally, right? Proverbs 10, 9, whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. Now, some of you guys are hanging out with people you have no business hanging out with. 
It's true. Uh, some of you are dating people, you know business dating, and you know it. This person that you're dating has taken you away from God. Has, 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 you've had to compromise your faith, you've had to compromise what you believe to be with this person, and, and they're, 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 they're bad for you. You know, here, here at, at, at in, in Pastors, we, we talk. We talk about y'all. We, we love you. We, we love our churches. We also talk about things that are just common in churches. And I was, I was at a pastor's meeting this past Thursday where we were talking about it, it just how awesome you guys are. And then one, one, uh, one pastor said, have you ever noticed this? That you can always tell when a single person in your church starts dating the wrong person. And I was like, oh, yeah, every pastor, yeah, we know. And the guy said, well, what's the first sign? I said, they disappear from church, like in unison. All the pastors are like, yeah, they disappear from church. Because they're, they're, the person that they're dating has pulled them away from their faith. And, and the guy said, how about this? The second one I noticed, the one of the pastors said, you start seeing photos of them on vacation in Florida. And I'm, I'm like, Yeah. You see Facebook posts, you see uh, Instagram posts of them on vacation together. And, uh, and, and I'm thinking to myself, you, you're, you, I, somebody asked me, Dave, are you saying that unmarried Christians shouldn't take a vacation together? That's exactly what I'm saying. There's no way that you can honor God like that. There's no way. Far too many Christians are so compromised in their faith that they think, they're not even ashamed of going on vacation, sharing a hotel room together. They're not even ashamed of it. They poster it for the whole world to see. Hey, look how much God loves us. We're sinning. If you truly want to honor God, you have to surround yourself with people that honor God. You truly do. If your tribe, the people that have influence on you, are not people who honor God, it's only a matter of time before you're, before you're falling away from your faith. We need to be where we're supposed to be relationally. Do you have friends, do you have people around you, the people that you're walking life with, do they truly honor God? Do you, do you pray for each other? Do you hold each other accountable? Do you, uh, uh, do, do you encourage people? Hey, meet me at church. Hey, let's go pray together. Hey, let's be in a community group together. Hey, are, are you guys surrounding yourself with people that encourage your faith in God? If not, there's only a, it's only a matter of time before you're gone. Plain and simple. And the fifth place, and this is the most fun, is spiritually. We need to be where we're supposed to be spiritually. Uh, Mark 12, 20, uh, 30 through 31 is my, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Jesus said, I'm going to sum up the whole Bible. Here it is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Spiritually, you need where you're supposed to be. We're supposed to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, which means if I have a differing opinion than the word of God, then God, then I am wrong. Okay, it's God's ways. God's will, God's ways. That's, that's what I love, that's what I cherish. And Lord, if there's, a, if there's a wayward way in me, a stubborn way, a rebellious way in me, Lord, I'm getting rid of it because I love you more than I love my own sin. That's exactly what it means to be in the right place spiritually. So let me ask you, people that I love, is there unconfessed sin in your heart this morning? Did you bring unconfessed sin into our worship gathering? Did you bring it? I want to ask you to repent of it so you can be where you're supposed to be spiritually. Is there a wayward, a rebellious place in you right now that is resisting the word of God, that is resisting what God wants for you? Is that happening in you today? I want to ask you to repent of that so you can be where you're supposed to be spiritually. Is God first? 
Remember, we say this all the time here at, at, at Catalyst. God first means he gets the first day, first day of the week. He gets the first part of our morning. He gets the first tenth of our income. He gets the first say in every decision. That's what it means to put God first. That's what it means to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that's where we're supposed to be and supposed to be there spiritually because not only does it protect you and keep you from sinning, it also opens up a life of adventure. It is amazing when you are where you're supposed to be spiritually, what God will do in your life. I was uh, uh, sharing a story with a friend of mine back in 2013. My kids were little. Um, uh, all, all, all three of them were, were still in the house. In 2013, we had just gotten uh, into our orphanage over in India. We started that work in 2012, and uh, we got, uh, our, it was April of 2013, and as most air conditioning units in Kentucky do, it quit. Our upstairs unit quit in April of 2013. And the summer was just coming up, and upstairs it gets hot in our house when there's no AC. So Rachel and I kind of knew that the system was getting a little bit old and, and everything like that, and we'd saved up money because we knew that, that, that uh, we were Dave Ramsey people, that, you know, that we need to save. And so we were putting money aside for our AC unit. And right when the system went out, like the next day, we were getting ready to, to go have it fixed. I got a, a message from our orphanage director, Ravi. He said, please pray for our children a, uh, a poisonous, they turned out, I think it was a mamba or something, uh, got into the orphanage and was threatening the children who were sleeping on the floor. He showed me a picture of these kids, shoulder to shoulder, packed into this room on a tarp, laying on the ground, this moldy, leaky uh, building. He said, please pray for them because uh, the mom got in. Fortunately, an adult was walking through grabbed the black mamba by the tail and threw it out. That's guts. That's one of the most dangerous snakes in the world. I don't know what I would be doing. If I saw a black mamba, I'd be throwing the kids at it. You know, no, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing that. No, but I don't like snakes. I don't know if y'all do, but, but uh, that, I, I, I'd, I'd be yelling and screaming. This, this guy threw it out. Well, anyway, well, unfortunately, the family found out about this. and like, Dad, we have to help. And I'm like, okay, uh, we, we'll, we'll send, you know, a few bucks. They go, no, 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 Dad. Those kids need beds. And I was like, well, we can fix the AC or we can get beds, but can't do both. And so we had a family meeting. And my kids and my wife basically led the charge. Say, listen, we'll go this summer without AC if that means these kids have beds. And so I, I said, you all understand what Kentucky, July, and August is going to be. You understand what 94, 95 degrees up here is going to be like to sleep. Do you all understand that? And I think one of my kids, like, is it like having a snake? Or so, you know, something like that, basically saying, Dad, you know, come on. So, so we, we, we sent the, the AC money over there, and we got these cheap little window box fans that did nothing, okay? It was sweltering up there, but 
we started getting pictures, y'all, of the kids in their new beds. They never had beds before. They'd never done anything but sleep on the ground before. And they had made signs saying, thank you for our beds with these huge, awesome, childlike smiles on their face. And they were bunk beds, they were triple bunk beds. And when we went over there in 2015, we got to go there and we got to see the beds the kids were living in and they had decorated them and they made them their own and, and they had done all of these amazing things with these beds. They treasured their beds. And I was just, and it was just one of the most amazing, fulfilling things. And God had called us to do that. We, it, it, he had called us to do that, and when we listened, we, we did the most, some of the most fulfilling stuff we've ever seen. I'm getting ready to go over to India in October. Some people from church and I, were, we're going over there. We haven't been there since 2019, and I'm going to see those beds. I'm going to remember the fact that we, we sweated out a summer in Kentucky without AC, but here it is, nine years later. These kids are sleeping in beds that they wouldn't have had. And, and it's just, just amazing to see. Uh, where you, when you are where you're supposed to be spiritually, God opens the adventure for things like that. He opens the door for you to truly start living life. Yeah, we could have replaced the AC. We would have been like everyone else in this town. Instead, we have a story to tell about God's goodness and the satisfaction that we received. Watching those kids be blessed was greater than any cool night in July in 2013. See, God will open doors when you are where you need to be spiritually. You know, I've always said this, that most people can be divided up into two categories, the bored and the boring. Most people are are not ever going to have a story like that to tell, not because they're bad people, but because they don't listen to to, to God when he leads. And, And if they do listen, they say no. But guys, when we are where we're supposed to be spiritually, when we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, strength, when God gets the first say in every decision, when he gets the first part of our morning, when he gets the first day of the week, when he gets the first of our income, then all of a sudden he says, I'm going to throw open these doors, and I'm going to send you on an adventure that you never thought would happen. That's why we are where we're supposed to be, physically, technologically, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually, because that primes the pump for the amazing adventure that God has for you and for me. So people, take stock of your lives right now. Are there places right now that you, where you are where you're not supposed to be? Are you a King David waiting to happen? Are you basically taking steps to destroy your life? I'm gonna call you back. God has given you an out. He's given you so many outs. He's giving you an out right now. He's giving you an out tomorrow. He's going to give you an out every step of the way. All you have to do is take it and stop from wrecking your life. Be where you're supposed to be, church. Be where you're supposed to be. The best way, first and best way to avoid sin is to be where you're supposed to be. God bless you. Love you. We'll see you next Sunday.